What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. It's time for the match preview with me, Andrew Musgrove. And as usual, John Gibson. I am back from Germany. A long travel back from Dortmund via Dusseldorf, via Frankfurt, into Bernam Airport. And here now for your viewing and listening pleasure as myself and John look ahead to Newcastle United's trip down to Bournemouth. I just want to say first off, guys, you may have heard some news about uh, the company we work for and uh, some questions maybe about this podcast. We don't know what the future holds. We hope it's uh, a long uh, a long future to, to still be going with this podcast um, but what we ask in the meantime is until we find some clarity if you guys can share this podcast with all your might get it out there to the audiences and let's really try and uh, and just yeah grow the audience a little bit more we appreciate your support as always um, John I hope you're doing well we'd like to have been going into this game against Bournemouth on the back of a win in the Champions League as it was Newcastle defeated 2-0 by Borussia Dortmund. A fair result in the end. Newcastle probably had one, two chances that they didn't take. Can't argue with the result at all. The performance, I thought, um, as the, the viewers and listeners will know, as I explained with Aaron, my views on it, was bang average. Remind me of the cup final against Manchester United where you'd be frustrated that you didn't reach your, your true potential. My first question to you, John, is given what you saw on Tuesday night, given the table in the Champions League. Does yeah. Eddie Howe have a task to pick up his players for this trip to Bournemouth? I think the obvious answer is yes. <clears throat> but I think the task is more um, physically and mentally drained than morale-wise. <clears throat> I think, uh, you know, we've got sticking plasters all over the body, haven't we? Um I've been waiting for a match like this for weeks. I mean, how on earth we went to Manchester United with a full reserve side out, played brilliant, won 3-0, blew them away. A few days later, we've got Arsenal unbeaten up here, a traumatic, fiery match that took so much out of the team and we beat them. And I'm sitting there and thinking, can we go one more time at Dortmund? And can we go one more time at Bournemouth before we have a, a most welcome fortnight's break? And <clears throat> the more you ask to go to the well, the harder it becomes. And, you know, we put so much in, Andrew, I felt, to the Arsenal match that we were so drained that Eddie Howe was right. The Dortmund match come just too soon after Arsenal for us to, to pick up. And, I mean, not only had we all the injuries, but we were fought so far down on petrol 
the, the two of our greatest players when we play high press and high energy, Almiron and, and Gordon, were deemed physically fit but drained and unable to start. Now, with all the injuries we already had in the suspension to Tenali, etc., for us not to be able to start with them two, who are the quickest boys in going from defence to attack, which particularly in the away game we, we, had to, we had to do quickly and well, and to leave them out the side because we weren't physically doing it, when half the side's out, and we go in with a side which has got Lefermento, a great, great player, 21 just, but he's a right back, reserve right back if you want, playing outside right, and Hall uh, playing in the Champions League and becoming our youngest ever player <clears throat> in the Champions League from the kickoff. And goodness gracious, later on, Miley comes on and he's the youngest ever player. Because, and we've got, what, five academy players and two goalkeepers on the bench and not a full bench. We were dead in the water. <clears throat> we would defy that against Manchester United and we defied it against Arsenal. We couldn't defied it again. It was once too often going to the well. So was I surprised with what happened? No. Was I surprised we lost? No. Can we go one more time? And that is the difficulty. And that is what we won't know until we see them run out there and see how they perform. But we've got to remember, if we want to cling on to passing flotsam, that in our last 13 games, the only team to beat us is Dortmund. They've done it twice, but they're the only team to beat us is Dortmund in the last 13 games. And, um, you know, we'll look at the other night and I wasn't expecting a lot more. Andrew, deep down inside me, I thought what we saw is what we got. We give it a real go in the second half for a while, I felt. And then the best player we've had recently, Trippier, making an absolute dog's dinner at a free kick which is normally so wonderful of, they break straight away down, games over 2-0. The defeat that killed Newcastle United's Champions League hopes was not losing to Dortmund 2-0 in Dortmund, it was losing to them 1-0 here. That turned the whole mood from us having done PSG to what it is now and having gone top of the league to, to bottom of the league and now clinging on, yes, we can still make the playoffs, uh, they they knock out with uh, the Champions League, but realistically, I think we're looking at Europa League. But um, I thought it was a tough old match there, quality side, um, and it was just once too often. And I looked at the side, you know, with Hall, with Lefamengo, with whatever we're saying. Lascelles has done absolutely brilliant. He is skipper of the Champions League side when he can't get in the side when everybody's fit. Now this is how far. Five academy players, two goalkeepers on the bench, not a full bench. That tells you everything. Yeah, Newcastle United were definitely stretched on Tuesday and they'll be even more stretched against Bournemouth this weekend. I mean, you mentioned there that you think that the real challenge will be tiredness rather than the, the mental uh, task of it all. So what's the remedy? Because, you know, if you're tired, you're tired. And, and it's another quick turnaround. It's a long journey. Yeah, I mean, there isn't a remedy. There isn't a remedy. All you can pray on is that you give them a Churchillian type speech, etc., etc., uh, where they can 
emphasizing that you're only asking them to do it one more time, not indefinitely, because there's a fortnight's break. And unfortunately for some people, it's not a break. They're going away for international matches. But there's a fortnight with no games and other players who aren't away internationally get a rest. You get a fortnight closer to getting some people back to help the whole situation. Um, you've just got to try to get them to go one more time. And, and, you know, we don't know what they're going to do. We didn't know that they wouldn't play without Almiron and Gordon in their starting line at Dortmund. Though having said that, Andrew, I watched Gordon very, very closely against Arsenal. And when the, and he's magnificent. He runs, he runs, he runs, he runs. He makes, he makes Almiron look a one-paced, slow, disinterested. He's unbelievable. But... I, and he went to centre forward because Wilson was off and he scored the goal. And and I tell you what, when the final whistle went, he couldn't put one leg in front of another to get him off the pitch. You know, he was that exhausted mentally and physically against Arsenal. So with hindsight, I wasn't surprised. But he'll have to go again one more time. And unfortunately, England can pick him and then he doesn't get a rest. I mean, that's frightening. Well, that's what I was going to ask you there because... The last time the England squad was announced, I was outraged. Anthony Gordon, Sean Longstaff didn't get a look in. This time around, I'll, I'll be quite happy, actually, if they don't get picked. Because like you say, Newcastle United are oh. running on empty. They need a break. What do you think those as players are thinking? Because I suspect if you're Anthony Gordon, you may think you've done enough to earn a call-up. You should have been in the last squad. B, you will want that call-up, but Yes, you will. Yes, you know you will. your body, you know, is tired. I mean, are you maybe thinking, "Oh, I'll wait for the next squad. I'm not. I won't be too fussed." Or are you, are you taking that core up each and every uh, time it comes? From his point of view, he's got to want it with all his heart. Uh, there's no question because once you get that foot in the door, once you're in a squad, you've got a chance to stay there. If, if you don't let them down. And, you know, you look at it, a new guy comes in the squad, he's not going to start two internationals for England. You know, I mean, and that's the hope we've got. He goes in, he gets no the England players, he trains with them, he maybe gets a game in one of the games, or he gets on twice as a sub late in the game. He's not going to play two 90 minutes for England when you've just got in the squad. You're not a regular. So that's the way to look at it. He will be desperate to get in the squad. Quite frankly, I'm desperate this time, and I'm smiling because what you said is absolutely correct. You can you can be outraged that they weren't in the last squad. I don't want them in this squad because they they, they can hardly put one foot in front of the other. Now I want them rushing up for a fortnight before we play Chelsea. Yeah, I secretly suspect Eddie Howe's of the same mindset yeah, as well. Absolutely. That he'll. He wouldn't be too fussed if they're not in this um, in the squad. Now, we are recording this podcast. It's just before 1pm. Uh, the squad announcement is at 2pm. So, you know, we're recording ahead of, of time. I mean, the last question on England, John, you expect you and Trippier to be in there. Callum Wilson, we're going to talk more about him in a moment, but there's a strong chance he's, he won't be fit for Newcastle on Saturday because of the, he had to leave the pitch against Dortmund with a bit of a hamstring niggle. So, can probably rule him out despite his form. He'd probably be in there if he wasn't injured. I mean, we will have yeah. to wait for confirmation from Eddie Howe. I mean, I don't, think, 
I don't think he will be in because of his injury problem recently. And Ollie Watkins yeah. went in and scored, etc., uh, etc. Et so I don't think he'll be in. I don't think Pope will be in, but uh, Trippier will be in. And then it's a matter of uh, Anthony Gordon has been touted more than Sean Longstaff. I don't mean about ought to be in, about going to get the nod, you know, the inside line on the, on the situation. Yeah. But frankly, I don't want anybody anyway. Um, you know, I'm pleased for Joe Linton, bless him, that he's back in the Brazilian squad. But I wish he wasn't. I wish none of them were. I wish they, they above all else, Newcastle players need a rest. Because of injuries, we haven't been able to spread the load as much as Eddie Howe would love to spread the load. Um, we just haven't been able to do it. And we're now looking towards Hall and Miley and um, either the Benz or the Golden Oldies, like Kraft and, and Dummett and Ritchie. You know, um, it's it's an awful situation. And we've defied all the odds, game after game after game, until we felt, I was beginning to feel, can we walk on water? Because, you know, we're getting the results when we have no right to. And then you run into a Dortmund, you run into a brick wall or a yellow wall, and, and that's what happens. And... Um, my only concern at Bournemouth, if Bournemouth on an even playing field, Bournemouth with all our players available, is no contest. And now it's not just a matter of getting the team sheet and wondering what chance we've got. It's seeing them how they start. I mean, he asked for a, a quick start against Borussia Dortmund and he got a slow start. And, you know, we can put out a team which on paper doesn't look bad at Bournemouth and ask for a quick start, what are we going to get? And I'm not blaming the boys. How often can you keep doing this? And we're going down there. We don't know if Wilson's fit. Do we ever know if Wilson's fit? And we know Bruno's not there. So we're worse off than ever before. It is up. I mean, I'm watching the Dortmund game. Willett goes down in the first 10 minutes and I'm expecting a stretcher to come on. Luckily, he was all right, but it has got to that stage. Yeah, decimated by injuries. We suspect Ian Trippier will be definitely in. Anthony Gordon, Gav Southgate watched him the other week. You'd suspect that he will be in, but we'll wait to see. Um, 2 p.m. So by the time you guys listen to this, you probably will already know uh, squad. Whether it's the legendary lionesses, grassroots or expert analysis of the women's leagues, women's football news has it all covered. A brand new monthly magazine packed with news, interviews and expert opinion. Don't miss women's football news. Pick up a copy today from participating retailers. Women's football is here to stay and so are we. And it is interesting, John, you mentioned there, you know, the team that Eddie Howe can put out on Saturday and... Yep. I think we have to start with that Callum Wilson injury now. Anyhow, we'll speak to the press on Friday. Yeah. And I always say we will wait for confirmation. We will wait for any kind of inkling that, you know, Callum Wilson is in or out. But as I always say with this, it's pointless saying that because Anyhow will say one thing and something else will happen entirely. Let's say, though, John, that Callum Wilson is missing. It doesn't. Yeah travel to Bournemouth to face his old side. What kind of blow is that for Newcastle United? Oh, it's a huge blow at the moment. If Isaac's fit, it's not a blow at all. Um, because Isaac's a quality centre-forward as well. If Isaac's fit, it's not a blow at all. As it happens, it is a blow. But even if he goes, 
in starts and they try to say, let's get 45 minutes out of you, Callum, because you've got a fortnight's rest afterwards and we'll try to gamble. What are you going to get in that 45 minutes? I mean, he must have only had half a, a dozen touches of the ball at, at Dortmund before he, uh, before he came off. It, it's it's poor. I mean, you're only two. If he doesn't play, you've got two options, as far as I can see. And the both produce problems elsewhere on the pitch. You either move Gordon there as a false nine, which is what worked against Arsenal and would be the obvious thing to do if Gordon's got any petrol left in the tank. Or you put Joe Linton back to the position where he was a flop and and say, well, you're a big lad. Let's see what you can do there. And by the way, he let me see at Dortmund what he's like as a centre-forward, bless him, with, with a missed header from six yards, which 1-1 would have been a different ball game. And I'm not having to go to him in particular because I thought against Arsenal, he was absolutely colossal against Arsenal, physically colossal and, and the performance he put in. But then you ask him to do it the next day, it's odd. But then you move Gordon from outside left and you've got a problem at outside left. You Joe Linton from midfield when Bruno isn't playing and you've got a problem there. So you're just putting a stick and plaster over one position and, and a boils appearing in another position. Yeah, most certainly so. And it will be really interesting to see if Alexander Isaac is back. He was in training before the Dortmund game, a lot of people got very excited at that. But information was that he was training by himself and he still won't be back until after that international break. Obviously, we hope that information is wrong because Newcastle could really do with him on Saturday. But you don't want to rush him back. And, and this is the, the danger that Newcastle United are heading into, um, even with the international break, because they're still, when they return from the international break, they're still going to have to deal with a very depleted squad. And it's a fine balance, isn't it? You don't want to rush anyone back, but you're looking around and you're thinking, who on earth am I playing up front? Who on earth am I going to yeah. play in the yeah. centre? Um, you want to rush Isaac back at all, do you? I mean, so if, 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 They took a chance, if you remember, Andrew. They took a chance with Jacob Murphy's shoulder. And he'd come on the field and he lasted, what, is it so? 10 minutes perhaps or a little bit more and, he, and, and the shoulder went again. And that admitted they took a gamble with that. And that's the sort of injury that you can't take a gamble with until it goes again and then gambles out the window and it's an operation and a long, long time out. But you can't take gambles. Hamstrings are, are different. The trouble is with, with Callum, you can never gauge what it is. You know, is it the slightest twins which was brought off as a precautionary measure and then because he wasn't playing well anyway, let's be brutally truthful. And then you find it was just precautionary, it settled down so he can play it for him out. Or if it's any sort of hamstring problem which he suffers from habitually, then you can't play him. You've got no chance of playing him. Um, you've just got to shuffle what happens. I mean, and if Gordon or Joe Linton plays centre-forward at Bournemouth, then you need an outside left and you need a midfielder. And the, the only way you can handle that is, as I, su I suggest, the outside left. It could end up, quite funnily, being Matt Ritchie going back to Bournemouth, who could play outside left if, if you've moved Gordon to centre-forward. Otherwise, it's Willick and you put Hall in the midfield, which is where he played as a kid with Chelsea, and, uh, and put him into midfield with... Um, with Joel and, and Longstaff because you got Bruno out. 
but it it is it's a mess. But you, you you've got the possibility of Hall going into midfield or Miley if you if you take a chance and play a seventeen year old, and you've got the chance of Richie covering on the left side, either outside left or left side of midfield as well. And the sentimental tug of going back to Bournemouth. Yeah, I mean, I, I I think, and this is obviously before we've heard from Eddie Howe's, uh, heard from Eddie Howe in his press conference. I think it will be Gordon up top. I think Wilson, they'll just not bother risking him because even if he's eighty percent fit, it's going to take one sprint and it's going to go. Isaac again, you know, he's working hard to be back from from this groin injury. But do you risk it? I don't think it's worth it. You know, let him miss this game. Let him have another two weeks. He won't go away with Sweden, and by the time national break is over and Premier League football returns, then he's you know he's fit and he's he's raring to go. I think in the middle, interestingly though, John, I think it'll be Lewis Miley. I think Lewis Hall has found it really tough. And I think Miley's looked better in the in the in the opportunities that he's had. It's been unfortunate he was struck down by that uh, that fever that he had. And I do think on Saturday it'll be long staffed uh, Joe Linson and Miley across the middle. And what put Willock outside left if you move Gordon into the centre? Yeah. Yeah, that 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 could easily be it. Um, Almirin, we would think, is, will definitely come back outside right. And um, Levermento right back in Trippier left back. Yeah, that's that's that. I think that will what that is what's going to happen. And then uh, Cher and Lascelles. In the centre, and I mean, Miley would come in because Bruno is suspended. Let's talk about Bruno because he's been back to his best in in, in recent games. Um, a bit of a hothead against Arsenal. You know, very lucky that he that he didn't get a red card uh, in in that game. He's going to be a huge miss, isn't he? Massive oh, miss. Of course he is. But anybody would be a huge miss at the moment because we've got so few. I mean, once again, we won't have a full bench. I'm pretty certain we won't have nine on the bench at, at, at Bournemouth. And if if we do, it'll, even, it'll include two keepers because uh, I think you'll find Dubrovka and Carriers uh, are both on the bench. Um, but yes, uh, of course, it's... It's what it is, isn't it? Uh, I mean, the only w- places we've got real cover, is, I guess, and we've we'll, we'll never thought we'd actually say this, is Kraft and Dummett uh, because of their performance when they went together that we got cover at centre-half there. But Bruno will be a huge miss. I mean, I'm, I am of the opinion... I mean, we all knew that Bruno, because he is hot-headed, hot-blooded, if you like, we knew he wasn't going to be able to keep going indefinitely without being booked. And he had quite a few matches to get in. In other words, he was a walking one-match suspension. That being so, it could be said that the, the best match for him to miss would be Bournemouth because it's easier than if he was missing Chelsea when we first come back, if he was missing Manchester United in the big games to come there. Honest to goodness, he, he went about to me, looking as if a booking was inevitable. A booking was inevitable. And when it happened, uh, I wasn't in the least surprised. Um, and I suppose if he had to miss one match, I would draw that be Bournemouth, even though we've got to say in this stage that um, we're so far down on numbers, it's getting ludicrous. But um, 
you know, Willock's back, you've got Miley, uh, you've got Big John Longstaff, and you've got to sort of get this out the way. Because what you've got to do, and this is out the way, because Longstaff's the next. He's one game away, one booking away from a suspension now himself. So, you know, you never wanted them to out at the same time. So at least this has worked in, in that small way. But, um, you know, it's so, so frustrating because the, the team, the club, the manager, the owners and the fans just deserve a much more even playing field than we're playing on at the moment. I would love to have known what we do in the Champions League if we could have fielded a full side in the two Dortmund games. And, you know, and where would we be in the league if we could field a full team all the time? Oh, just have another three of the guys out, for goodness sake. I mean, the guys out, there's almost a, a team out it, it, through injuries. And they're not injuries whereby, Andrew, you say, well, they're missing on Saturday, but they'll be back on Tuesday, you know, when you're playing three games in a week. They're missing for long periods. I mean, Barnes, when did we last see Barnes? Anderson, almost forgotten, is there. Kraft had been out for 14 months. Um, the injuries target uh, Murphy, the long-term, the killing injuries. We, I mean, Botman has been long-term. We've, all, we've never been told exactly what the injury is and exactly how long it would be. But it's never-ending, isn't it? I mean, you know, Botman's injury has been never-ending. Um, it is... It is a tough old time at the moment. It certainly is, yeah. And, you know, I mean, the Anderson injury, from what I understand, it's just a, a total, like, non-football-related injury. Just a bit of a, a freak accident from what uh, someone told me uh, earlier in the week. And it's just those things. And Castle United just seem to, when they have bad luck, it just keeps, seems to keep running and running. But as Eddie Howe said when he announced Dan Burns' injury earlier in the week, you just got to roll with it. And that's what I love about Eddie Howe. He's not using it as an excuse um, he, you know, he just gets on with. I'm sure privately he's probably banging his head against the table, but publicly he's not doing what a lot of managers would do and, you know, get out the list of absentees and, you know, complain yeah. about the bar if they lose. I mean, you had Joe Willick uh, deemed to be um, out of play against Dortmund. They go up to their end and, and score, but you don't hear Eddie Howe complaining about it. And I, I really do love that. He's, he's, he's showing a bit of class where other managers um, are not. Like yes. Michael Arteta, for example. And Ten Teg Hag at Manchester United. Yeah. And it, yeah. makes, it makes you quite happy to have Eddie Howe in the dugout. Um, we mentioned there um, Dan Byrne. Now, he fell from height after clattering into Joe Linton, and he's going to be out long-term, said Eddie Howe. Now, we know on this podcast, John, um, what you kind of think about Dan Byrne in terms of his long-term uh, staying power at, at left back, but I mean it, that is a big blow, isn't it? Oh, of think. course it is. Of course it is. I mean, he's not a natural left back for me, but he's a natural left-sided centre half for me. And ironic that he can't get in the team in his proper position when Botman's injured, isn't it? Because Botman's the one that stood in his way, and he is a left-sided centre half. There's no question he can play as long as he wants to play at left-back. He's still a left-sided centre-half for me, naturally. But he is a huge miss because he can play in a couple of positions because he, he's, he's so committed. 
to the cause. He's a local man that cares and cares and cares. And his leadership in the dressing room, and I'm not talking Monday to Friday because he can still do that. I'm talking about on match days and when he's out there and when he's in at half time, etc. He's a, he's a massive miss to, to Newcastle United. And he's a massive miss when we're so far down. I mean, Anderson's a massive miss. Yet, if you look at Anderson's starts, they're not many in the Premier League, but he's still a massive miss because of everybody else that's missing as well. Yeah, indeed. And like we said earlier in the show, it's likely to be Livermento at right back. Kieran Tripp, yes, switches over uh, to left back. I think Lewis Hall had an opportunity against Dortmund. He was unfortunately got booked for a caution that was, was never a caution in a month of Sundays. But I just, he just doesn't look ready. And I know no. that's easy for me to say, as a not, not a professional footballer, but watching him, he, he's not the same level as Livermento is. And I think, no, I don't how. I think he'll protect them by not starting them. It's always good to bring him off the bench if need be back and see. Trippy at left had, back. He's had two tough games, hasn't he, when yeah. he started? He, he had the good one, what was that, Manchester United when United. he scored. When he scored. But he's had two tough ones otherwise. What was it, Man City when he come off at half time? And then this one um, uh, in good. Germany. Um <laughs> He's never played in it quite in his best position, has he? You know, he's been stuck in the midfield and then doing a little bit and then up against the winger. And once he got booked in Dortmund, he was in trouble because they were targeting him as a kid anyway. And then when he's on a booking, by everything goes down his side. Uh, I think he's going to be an outstanding player. He's not anywhere near what Lavamento is. But you've also got to bear in mind, there's about two years between them. You know, in, in at that young age, that sort of difference in age makes a huge difference on maturity and that where you're getting. And he's not he's not quite there yet. And it, you know, you don't want to see. We've talked about Miley possibly playing in midfield. You, what you don't want is what happened against Manchester City when Miley played midfield and, and Hall played as well, and they were just far too inexperienced almost on each other's toes to be able to play against a quality side. And if Miley's going to come into this midfield, which he might, you certainly don't want Hall on the left side of him uh, together. Uh, but I don't think there's any chance of that because I think Trippier is struggling, by the way. But he's such a wonderful player. I thought he struggled in Dortmund. I mean, not only does he look as if he's... Um, down on, on petrol, but the things that he does well, he's the greatest assist king round. And he was the free kick killed the game for Newcastle. He took such a bad free kick, they blew, they broke, and it was 1-0 become 2-0 at our best time in the game, when we were at least producing something, and that killed us. And I think that Kieran's been playing like that. I think he's found it hard of recent times. He has struggled a little bit by his massive, massive standards. Um, so I think he would play left-back. In Livermento, by the way, what a quality player he's looking. And I, I thought he was as good as anybody in the park at Dortmund. He played three separate positions. Right-back, left-back and right-wing. And I thought he was absolute quality. And the way he's playing and the fact that he has petrol in his tank, he's almost one of the first names on the team sheet for Bournemouth, I would suggest. Interesting, but I, I agree with you. I think he will be right back on Saturday. Do you think, though, 
the loss of Dan Byrne, the loss of Matt Target, who's just gone under uh, an operation, it, it hurts Newcastle even more. It stings just that little bit more because of the form of Kieran Trippier. Yes. Because he's not in a good place. Yes, he isn't in a good place at the moment. And I would defend him as long as he's around because he's been a wonderful signing for us and he's led by example. And he's been absolutely terrific. But the eyes don't... Uh, Lie, the eyes know what to say, and um, he's found life hard. But, um, you know, if you, I mean, even though he's out of form, you'll go for Trippier at Bournemouth all day before you would go for Lewis Hall. Uh, because, you know, experience comes into play, nous, cleverness, etc., uh, etc. Et but, um, you know, we've, we've built our side around a, a defence. In really, there's only Trippier playing on his wrong side and Shaw left in that defence. Lascelles and Levomenko weren't in the original uh, defence. They they did so well in front of Pope and kept so many clean sheets. Um, did it, the whole thing's tough, but we've got to just say you're going one more time. Eddie will spring a surprise, you know. Because doesn't he always, Andrew? Eddie will spring a surprise. I mean, even in Dortmund, when you leave both Gordon and Almiron out there, whoa, what, what's happened there? In every single game, you know, he started Murphy recently, and everybody, instead of Almiron, say, ooh, what's happened? He'll spring a surprise. Now, will it be Richie outside left? Will it be Dummett or Kraft playing at centre-half? Will it be Miley... Uh, Playing would it be his debut is it from the start his starting debut uh, in the Premier League? Uh, he will spring something down there. There's absolutely no doubt. Or or Wilson run out against all odds, or Isaac will suddenly appear out the tunnel who's not supposed to be there whatsoever. Some surprise will happen down there. But um, I just want us to go one more time, and it's going to take a Churchillian speech to to get that to drag that out of out of uh, players because it's it's not a, about ability it's not about willingness it's not about being good lads we know they're all that it's asking you to go above and beyond every single one of you one more time it's not good just one of you doing that the 11 has got to do that for what to have a chance and by the way Bournemouth made for the taking under any other circumstances bar the one on Saturday it would be just how many do a win by if it, because they are awful. They are awful, and Ayola is under a bit of pressure. He uh, won his last game, I think he had to with the owner had flown in. Um, and you're right, I mean, they concede goals with ease. Oh. Newcastle United have scored 27 goals this season, and Bournemouth have conceded 27 goals and only scored nine. They've won once. Yeah, uh, and you know they are they are in a serious trouble. Eighteenth, six points, and if you look at the last five games, Newcastle I think are second in the form table with eleven points out of possible fifteen. Bournemouth, that's when they picked up their one win, but other than that, you know they haven't picked up any other and, points. And actually, over six, they've lost five out of the last six. Andrew in the league, yeah. they've lost five. You know, I know the tables are done in the last five games. But they've actually lost five out the out the last six. Uh, yeah, and, and they're a mess. Oh, I mean, they're the only team that might prevent all the three promoter sides going straight back down. 
because it might be Bournemouth and two of those promoted sides, or it might be the three promoted sides. But Bournemouth are in deep, deep trouble. But there again, didn't they didn't they take a chance when they got rid of the manager who then went to Wolves and brought in somebody new when the manager had kept them up last season? It, you know, it, it, sometimes things are done by boards and, and you end up scratching your head as to why they, that happened. But, you know, their problem's their problem. They will be looking at this and saying... Like the one win they got out the last six, they'll be looking at this and saying, this is the right time to play Newcastle. We're at home. The crowd will sense that. The crowd will be with us, not against us. We must have a go in this game because they will be mentally and physically exhausted. And that is their best chance. Yeah, well, we'll have uh, the view from the opposition on Friday morning um, from uh, Tom Crocker from the Birmingham Echo. So watch out for that one. But... Uh, yeah, I agree with you, John. I think Bournemouth will be looking a bit more optimistically about this game, given Newcastle's quick turnaround, the Champions League, the injuries, the suspensions, the fact they're at home. But they just seem... I mean, he is under a lot of pressure, that that manager. And I think that will play a part. Also, if they're without Alex Scott, who's arguably been their best player, and he picked up a, a knee injury in the last game against City when they were thumped 6-1... That is a big blow. Now, Lewis Cook can come in. His suspension has been served. But losing someone like Scott, who moved from Bristol City in the summer, he was linked to Newcastle as well as a host good for that. It's a really exciting talent. And he's good. been really good. He's been very good for them. Losing yeah. him is a big blow. And that's, you know, that's something that Newcastle hopefully can capitalise on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've got it. As I say, if we were playing anywhere near our full squad, I'd be sitting back with a cigar and a glass of white, chilled white wine in my hand because uh, it would just be, is it going to be 1-0, 2-0, 3-0 or 4-0? Or 8-0? Have we done that this? Oh, yes, we have away from all mine. Mine, those days seem a little while off at the moment. But, uh, yes, it's a matter of can we go to the well one more time? And I'm banking on the fact that because it can be sold to the players is only one more time, because the fortnight break is upon us at the end of this game, they will somehow can drag bodies, which are mentally done as much as... It's not just physical, it's mental. Has to go again, mentally, 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 mentally. And the way we play our game, high press, quick tempo, we play our game, it's all about physicality, and it's always about being quick and running and relentlessly hounding sides. And that takes a lot out of the team. Now, if you can shuffle it, like, you know, you've got Isaac one game and Wilson the next game and Isaac the next game and you, you put Bonds in and for for Gordon and you put Murphy in for Mavon and then you can do it quite comfortably. But we haven't got that luxury anymore. No, we certainly haven't. Nice to be reminded, though, eventually one day we might have it once again. Um, yeah. I just want to talk about Bournemouth's record at home against Newcastle United because it's not good. And this is another thing that, despite all the injuries and suspensions Newcastle are dealing with, you know, I am positive Newcastle can get a result because I think the team they will put out is still better than what Bournemouth have got. And then, you know, the last eight games, Bournemouth have lost four against Newcastle at home and drawn the other four. You have to go back to the 4th of November 2017 when uh, Bournemouth won 1-0. Now, I know they've spent time in the Championship and what have you, but 
I think that's a, another kind of yeah, tip to why Newcastle will will do all right down there, you know. And I know I, I don't think we've been too negative, John. I think we've been realistic about what you know is going to happen yeah. on Saturday and the, the challenge that Eddie Howe has to overcome, you know, the, what he's dealing with. And I'm going to finish on a positive. I think Newcastle, based on everything I've said, that record there, the fact that they're still in really good form in the Premier League, the fact they didn't get embarrassed in Dortmund, I think the fact that I think they'll be feeling frustrated at themselves for the way they conceded the goals. You know, you'd be kicking yourself when you watch that back. I think that'll just inspire and motivate them even more to make sure on Saturday they're tighter, they're quicker on the ball, they're not losing possession, they're not allowing that space between the midfield and the defence. I think they'll take the ball, the game to Bournemouth and I think they'll win. And I think they'll win quite comfortably actually as well. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, let uh, I started off by saying in this podcast that the only team to beat Newcastle in the last 13 games Newcastle have played is Dortmund, who's done it twice. Newcastle's record is 13 played, eight wins, three draws and two defeats. Now, and, and no defeats domestically. And that is a terrific record. And Bournemouth are poor. Bournemouth on Dortmund. This is Bournemouth on Arsenal. Bournemouth on even Manchester United, as dodgy as they are these days, who we, we beat at Manchester United. So let's not bull up them. We just feel sorry for ourselves because we have so many freakish injuries. Isn't that freakish? And a suspension, a couple of suspensions on top of that. It's as though the gods were against us. But having said that, we're playing the right opposition. If we are a little bit beneath par, we're playing the right opposition. We've only got to go to the well one more time. And I do think, like you, I do think we'll win. I just think we would have won comfortably and I could have sat back with a cigar if we'd had a proper side out. I think it'll be a bit tighter than that, but we will win. Because as you say, if you take it man for man, and I look at Pope, Lefemenko, Shaw, Lascelles, Trippier... Longstaff, Joe Linton, Miley, Willick, Gordon, Almiron. That side, man for man, is better than the Bournemouth side. And that side could be the starting side down there. It's better than man for man what Bournemouth have got. No question about that whatsoever. And their self-belief will be as fragile as is possible to be. Having just lost 6-1 and having lost five out the last six. If we get at them from the start, if we get a goal first half, they will just go like flat as a pancake. Yeah, I do think an early I'm goal will be I'm taking like you, I'm taking Newcastle to win. Yeah, well, I'm glad we agree. I do think an early goal will be key. Get the away end uh, properly good and just silence the home end. And I think Newcastle will. You know, I think I can see them winning by three or four goals um, to the good. So I'm, 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 I, you can tell. That I'm confident. So, fingers crossed, both you and I are correct about Saturday, John. Um, before we sign off, just give our listeners and viewers a little, little bit of a taste of a, a special episode that we're going to record next week to bring you guys through the international break. What, 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 what are we doing, John? Yes, this is the Bobby Charlton tribute, I think you're talking about. One of the great sons of the Northeast. Arguably the greatest English player certainly of my lifetime, and we've had a few like Gaza, and if you go back far enough, Finney and Matthews, uh, Rooney, the 
the golden generation. Nobody stood out like Bobby. Um, a son of Ashington, staggering family. When you think of War Jackie and his brother Jack John was in the World Cup winning side with him. I got to know both Jack and Bobby ever so well, mainly separately, because at the time they didn't get on too well with each other, having originally been very, very close. They didn't. The chalk and cheese as people um, and and as players. I mean, Jack was all knobbly knees in Thou Shall Not Pass and uh, Bobby was... Uh, glided he didn't walk he ran over the top of the ground his feet there was no foot imprint in the ground whatsoever in the mud he glided he was wonderful player um he was a fascinating character there's i've got lots of stories from the old days i i did talk-ins with bobby when he come up here the same as i did with jack uh lots of comparisons um i was a very very close friend of sissy the mum um and she had wonderful insights, which she gave me into both of them as kids. <clears throat> and they grew up on the terraces of St. James's Park watching Jackie Milburn play. They came down, <clears throat> both of them, on the bus from Ashington. They went into a little restaurant just at the top of Northumberland Street and had fish and chips. They walked round to the ground. They stood on the popular side on the halfway line and watched War Jackie, Uncle Jackie, they called him, although he wasn't an uncle, really. Um, they watched him play. And then they went over the road to New St. James's Hall, which is now knocked down. It's where the, uh, the metro station is, to watch the wrestling on a Saturday night and then went up to, to um, the top of Northumberland Street and got on the bus to Ashington and either mum or dad was waiting at the at the bus stop to walk them home. And that was their introduction to football. I was involved in putting on the, the This Is Your Life for War Jackie. Um, years ago, it's the first national award that I won as a journal, writing the inside story of that. And the two guests of honour on that, of course, were the two Charlton boys. So it'll be my pleasure. I've got loads of stories to tell. I ain't going to tell them now because that'll stop it. But I think you and I'll have a bit of fun recording that one. And hopefully, Northeast will love it. It'll stir memories in some people. It'll tell the younger generation just how good Bobby was and let them get a picture in their mind of the guy behind the superstar. Yeah, I can't wait to, to record that one. It's Gibbo's Corner tribute to you to Bobby Charlton, so that'll be out during the international break. But in the meantime, guys, thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, please like, follow, subscribe to whichever platform you are watching or listening through. Leave us a rating review and share the pod amongst you and your cast night supporting friends and family. Head over to chroniclelive.co.uk for all the latest Newcastle United news.